Chapter Two of Marion: The Story of an Artist's Model, by Winifred Eaton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Next to our garden, separated only by a wooden fence through which we children used to peep, was the opulent and well-kept garden of Monsieur Prefontaine, who was a very important man once mayor of Ochelaga, the French quarter of Montreal, in which we lived. Madame Prefontaine, moreover, was an object of unfailing interest and absorbing wonder to us children. She was an enormously fat woman, and had once taken a trip to New York City to look for a wayward sister. There she had been offered a job as a fat woman for a big circus. Madame Prefontaine used to say to the neighbors, who always listened to her with great respect, Mon Dieu, that New York, it is one big ale. Never do I feel so hot as in that terrible city. I feel the grease, it run all out of me. Maybe if I stay at that New York, I may be one big millionaire. Oui. But non. Me, I prefer my little home, so cool and quiet in Otelaga, than be millionaire in that New York that is like purgatory we had an old straggly garden everything about it looked seedy and uncared for and wild for we could not afford a gardener my sisters and i found small consolation in papa's stout assertion that it looked picturesque with its gnarled old apple trees and shrubs in their natural wild state i was sensitive about that garden it was awfully poor-looking in comparison with our neighbors' nicely-kept places. It was just like our family, I sometimes treacherously thought, unkempt and wild and heathenish. A neighbor once called us that. I stuck out my tongue at her when she said it. Being just next to the fine garden of Monsieur Prefontaine, it appeared the more ragged and beggarly, that garden of ours. Mama would send us children to pick the maggots off the currant bushes and the bugs off the potato plants, and, to encourage us, she would give us one cent for every pint of bugs or maggots we showed her. I hated the bugs and maggots, but it was fascinating to dig up the potatoes. To see the vegetables actually under the earth seemed almost like a miracle, and I would pretend the gnomes and fairies put them there, and hid inside the potatoes. I once told this to my little brothers and sisters, and Nora, who was just a little tot, wouldn't eat a potato again for weeks, for fear she might bite on a fairy. Most of all, I loved to pick strawberries, and it was a matter of real grief and humiliation to me that our own strawberries were so dried-up-looking and small, as compared with the big, luscious berries I knew were in the garden of Monsieur Prefontaine. On that day I had been picking strawberries for some time, and the sun was hot, and my basket only half full. I kept thinking of the berries in the garden adjoining, and the more I thought of them, the more I wished I had some of them. It was very quiet in our garden. Not a sound was anywhere except the breezes, making all kinds of mysterious whispers among the leaves. For some time my eye had become fixed, fascinated upon a loose board with a hole in it near the ground. I looked and looked at that hole, and I thought to myself, it is just about big enough for me to crawl through. Hardly had that thought occurred to me when down on hands and knees I dropped, 
and into the garden of the great Monsieur Prefontaine I crawled. The strawberry beds were right by the fence. Greedily I fell upon them. Oh, the exquisite joy of eating forbidden fruit! The fearful thrills that even as I ate ran up and down my spine as I glanced about me on all sides. There was even a wicked feeling of fierce joy in acknowledging to myself that I was a thief. Thou shalt not steal. I repeated the commandment that I had broken, even while my mouth was full. And then, all of a sudden, I heard a voice, one that had inspired me always with feelings of respect and awe and fear. How you get in here? Monsieur Prefontaine was towering sternly above me. He was a big man, bearded, with a face of preternatural importance and sternness. I got up. My legs were shaky, and the world was whirling about me. I thought of the jail, where thieves were taken, and a great terror seized me. Monsieur Prefontaine had been the mayor of Otelaga. He could have put me in prison for all the rest of my life. We would all be disgraced. Well, well, how you get in here? demanded Monsieur Prefontaine. Monsieur, I, I crawled in, I stammered indicating the hole in the fence. Bien. Crawl out, madame. Madame, to me, who was but twelve years old? Crawl out, commanded monsieur, pointing to the hole. And feeling like a worm, ignominiously under the awful eye of that ex-mayor of Ochalaga, on hands and knees and stomach I crawled out. Once on our side I felt not the shame of being a thief, so much as the degradation of crawling out with that man looking. Feeling like a desperate criminal, I swaggered up to the house, swinging my half-filled basket of strawberries. As I came up the path, Ellen, a sister just two years older than I, put her head out of an upper window and called down to me. Marianne, there's a beggar boy coming in at the gate. Give him some of that stale bread Mama left on the kitchen table to make a pudding with. The boy was about thirteen, and he was a very dirty boy with hardly any clothes on him. As I looked at him, I was thrilled with a most beautiful inspiration. I could regenerate myself by doing an act of lovely charity. Wait a minute, boy. Disregarding the stale bread, I cut a big slice of fresh, sweet-smelling bread that Sung Sung, our one very old Chinese servant, had made that day. Heaping it thick with brown sugar, I handed it to the boy. There, beggar boy, I said generously. You can eat it all. He took it with both hands greedily. And now, as I looked at him another, a fiendish impulse seized me. Big boys had often hit me, and although I had always fought back as valiantly and savagely as my puny fists would let me, I had always been worsted, and had been made to realize the weakness of my sex and age. Now, as I looked at that beggar boy, I realized that here was my chance to hit a big boy. He was smiling at me, gratefully, across that slice of sugared bread. And I leaned over and suddenly pinched him, hard on each of his cheeks. His eyes bulged with amazement, and I still remember his expression of surprise and pained fear. I made a horrible grimace at him, and then ran out of the room. End of chapter 2
Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.